Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the podcast that ensures everyone gets their one good scare. I am your wonderful and very pretty host, Chris Donovan, and on this special spooky season episode, I am joined by two special guests, the uh, Karen Strode and Allison Strode to my Lori Strode. <laughs> Uh, Megan and Julia Pendergast. How's it going, guys? Oh, good. Good. Aren't you going to say how wonderful and pretty we also are? <laughs> you guys are also wonderful and oh so pretty. How I'm sorry for not including I like that. Triquetra of the Strode family. I think you're the Greer. Of- oh, thank you. I think. Yeah. I mean, based on the blondes. Well, is she blonde in that? No, but fine. But I don't want to. I don't want to not be Judy Greer. So that's true. I just desperately wanted another the blank and blank to my blank for this one, and that was the best I had for this episode. I have another one for the for the next episode, but that's <laughs> okay. I'm ahead of ourselves. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, really, yeah. really looking forward to it. So, how are you guys doing today? We're doing we're doing well. We're um at least halfway through a bottle of wine, so we're feeling good. We got fresh seltzers on hand. I am hydrating instead of imbibing. So, <laughs> well, that's you know probably better for your health for sure. Yeah, health smell. Anyway. This episode is going to be a bit of a weird one from both a recording, release, everything standpoint. A little peek behind the curtain for you all listening. We are recording two episodes back to back, which will be reviews of Halloween Kills and then Halloween Ends. They'll be released separately, and I believe both in the same week because I'm far behind on October releases for the podcast. So hopefully they're both out the same spooky Halloween week. But since we're recording these back to back, we have all seen Halloween Ends by now. And despite that, if you have not seen Halloween Ends, we're going to keep spoilers from that movie away from this episode and save our thoughts for the next episode. So if you have not seen Halloween Ends, don't worry, this will be still be a safe listen to you. I might make a vague reference or two, but I'm going to try to keep it spoiler free so that we can dig in heavily more in the next episode. So today we're talking about Halloween Kills today, the midpoint of the new Halloween timeline, which is Halloween 1, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. I'm going to have more timeline talk next episode because once we have the whole picture, I can kind of give my thoughts on each timeline, but I'm going to save that till next time so it's not all confusing because the Halloween timeline is just crazy. It's wacky. There's like, it's... It's weird because at the beginning, John Carpenter wanted and Deborah Hill wanted it to be like an anthology. And it kind of is now because there's four branching paths. It's, it's not an anthology, but it's like a choose your adventure at this at this point. Let's go ahead. But they usually uh, descend into madness. Halloween 2018, I thought was pretty good. I thought it was potentially the second best movie in the franchise as far as just like a quality standpoint. Because as much as I love Halloween 2 and Halloween H2O. I do feel like there was a level of polish overall to Halloween 2018. I liked the three generations of Strodes. I know we're going to talk about Allison a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the next couple hours. I know I like her more than you guys do by a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Than us. But... <laughs> didn't bother me much to the last one so yeah, yeah yeah i think she was set up as a very interesting thing like i could see like i thought i i thought when i saw 2018's halloween mm-hmm. that i saw the vision of how they were going to sort of bridge the gap to the next generation of halloween movies through allison mm-hmm. so i could see she had like as Lori, like you said in 1978 she's not this like militant badass no. final girl but allison isn't either but she has just enough of like mm-hmm. that Lori Strode kind of moxie that I felt like she could have grown into that. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. do have a few issues with Halloween 2018, most notably the Dr. Sartan heel turn where he stabs the cop in the throat and tries to like become Michael or like set up Michael and Lori to have another meeting or something. That was a bit weird. I think I tried to forget it. <laughs> yeah. 
besides that, I feel like Halloween 2018 on the whole was a pretty successful. Agreed. I, agree. I was excited about the next one. Me After too. Seeing it, I, like, I definitely had issues with it, but like, I was like, oh, I, overall, overall, I liked it. And I, I, my biggest issue with it, if they're retconning everything but the first movie, the response, like her being like a crazy, like in her survivalist, survivalist doesn't really make any sense. No. It's like, sure, she'd probably be fucked up, but it'd be, I think it'd be more interesting if they were just like, now she's a grandma. And like, she's a little fucked up from that, but it's like, she just has a normal life and then all this happens again would be more interesting and more realistic if it was literally just like okay a couple of your friends got murdered and this guy's been locked up for 40 years it's weird because i do like that but i mostly i th- I do feel like part of that is because of the fact that my favorite final girls are Work like nancy thompson from nightmare on elm street erin from your next even sydney prescott from scream the ones who are just like throw down let's fucking go i don't care i'm gonna take you on no matter how supernaturally powerful you are and to Mm -hmm. see Lori then take that step into being that i was like oh hell yeah Lori's catching up with the crew she's (laughs) badass now i didn't really understand all that but like understanding that they just pretended nothing else happened but the first just the three kills yeah i don't know he's not that prolific of a killer then it's just like okay whatever like 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 four people one yeah like like sydney doesn't get badass until the end of the second one i mean she fights in the first one of course but it's like the second one was, she's is like a normal final girl that happens a, to live yeah she's a normal yeah. final girl that happens to live and then she's traumatized and they have like the whole like weird thing with her in drama school and then she's running away the whole time and then at the end they make her not run and they and i think that thematically that's really good i obviously i don't want to spoil anything for halloween ends but the trajectory that laurie takes makes me wish they did it the opposite i agree with that yeah. In 2018, she was a fairly normal, and she could, like, I'm not saying, like, totally normal, but, like, a fairly normal person. She at least shouldn't have had a survival bunker. And then maybe in the third one, she could have had a survival bunker. The kind of way that they twist her character and make her go backwards makes no sense from, like, any standpoint. It's like, three of her friends are dead. I guess it's what two bitchy friends. What, I, guess two are, I guess two of her <laughs> friends, one of their boyfriends, and then is is, is there anyone else? Though she stumbles on the three of them in the the house. There's outside kills, but as far as ones that affect Lori, it's just the three of them. Yeah. So it's like I just think from like a story standpoint, and also from a character standpoint, I don't really think it was executed very mm-hmm. well. But when 2018 came out, when it was just one movie, I was like fine with it. It's yeah, more yeah. like go with it. It's, it was with more it, from yeah. a holistic view that I've got issues. And if they were going to do something cool with it, I'd be fine with it. I, I was really hopeful because I really liked 2018. I showed Julia. And then we were in a Wales for our friend's wedding last year. And Chris knows this story. I got deathly ill. I painted the streets of London with my vomit. Today might be the day. It's one year. I think it's a. I think it's a one year anniversary of when we saw the movie. I think it really <laughs> is. Your anniversary was two days ago. You're right, and then we saw. And so I got really sick, and uh, I think probably food poisoning doesn't matter. But we it wasn't put pretty. the like <laughs> the night after I was really sick, I still felt terrible. And then we're like, oh, let's put this. Let's. And I think they were trying to be nice to me because it's like, oh, like you really like the like the 2018 Halloween. Let's put on the new one. It just came out. So we it on and then i'm like dead on the couch and then as it goes on and to me gets more and more terrible i like start like lifting out of the couch and it it to to, to halloween kills credit it revived me from a pretty terrible illness because my rage and my fury really (laughs) fooled me and it got me off that couch and it got me full of piss and vinegar if i can say one comment i'm probably gonna make this comment at least two more times in this recording session however if there's one thing that is a universal from this trilogy i'm glad it exists for and I, i think it's an absolute win we did get three new john carpenter synth scores 
and they are all glorious. Chris, I, 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 I give you a, I give you two thumbs up on that one because I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to that, but I should. I, I was, do. I like the score. The score's like great. The score. yeah. I actually re-listened today to the Halloween Ends soundtrack, and there's one track that's called The Junkyard, and it is so fucking gnarly. It's so good. It's we from did. that the scene in the junkyard we'll get to. We went to our favorite bar last year and um it was Halloween time and they just played the Halloween soundtrack. They did. That's amazing. They played the score. They just played I loved it. Yeah, I was like, that's a great idea for Halloween music. It is because yeah. it was like they were playing Halloween music and then they played the Halloween. Yeah, they, I think it must have I don't know the original. But I'm guessing yeah. it was the original. And it was so it was killer. Cool. I didn't even consider the soundtrack. So we yeah. were like wings listen to the halloween <laughs> score life was good john carpenter is absolutely living the life that man all he does is get high play video games oh, watch golden state warriors games and makes synth soundtracks with his son man's living the life he might start again but it's like he's like, he's, old like is he? he's like in his 70s right i think so i met him eight. at a convention he was a funny curmudgeon Every, yeah, I met him at a convention. He's a funny curmudgeon, which is everything I've ever wanted to meet at a meeting John Carpenter. Oh my god! That's so cool. It You're was like so... because you met John Carpenter. The thing is one of my favorite movies. I have his autograph. It's somewhere here. I don't know where. It's somewhere in this vicinity. But like literally, what happened was he was going to lunch, so his line cleared out at the convention I was at, and so I just kind of slipped in to be second in line. And like this group of like two or three dudes got him to sign a massive Halloween poster, and then they were setting up for a picture with him and these dipshits couldn't figure out how to keep the poster from unfurling without (laughs) using their without without furling up and ruining the signature without using their phones as paperweights but also using their phones to take the picture with john carpenter oh this is a comedy of errors yeah so when they were doing that john carpenter just like looked at me in line and just did one of these he was just like that's "That's a great moment like these i'm He just like looked at me like these fucking idiots, right? And I'm like, yep, he's so good. That's funny. That's awesome. I love John Carpenter. What's up? Did you get a picture with him? No, I did not get a picture with him because I think it was like another like forty dollars or something. Like they have different prices for like autograph, picture, autograph, and picture. And I was like, let me just get in and out, get an autograph, and go. Call it a day. I mean, get the autograph. Call it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's smart. I would have. Yeah. I agree that the soundtracks are an absolute plus to delight the, to, to, to the whole series. Like, if you haven't, both you guys and listeners, John Carpenter also just makes soundtracks of synth music. He has like three albums that are called like Lost Themes One, Two, and Three. So it was absolutely worth your time. He's just amazing at it. But with that said, we're gonna dig into Halloween Kills. And the stats from Halloween Kills are it is a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb with a 39% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. The synopsis is the nightmare isn't over as unstoppable killer Michael Myers escapes from Laurie Strode's trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. Injured and taken to the hospital, Laurie reunites with Tommy Doyle, the boy she was babysitting on the night Michael began his reign of terror. As Laurie continues to fight through the pain, Tommy leads an angry mob of vigilantes to rise up against Myers and destroy the evil. The critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is Halloween kills should satisfy fans in search of brute slasher thrills, but in terms of advancing the franchise, it's a bit less than the sum of its bloody parts. Yeah. I gotta say, I agree. I pretty much agree with all of it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Overall, it was disjointed. Yes. It was like, you just couldn't, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And like, you're like, 
for me, a lot of times I'm a Pisces, so things don't make sense. But like, <laughs> I, like then eventually I'm like, okay, it makes sense. I'll talk to you about it. I'm like, okay, I see what the people were trying to do. In this case, I was confused and so were you. So yeah. then I knew something was <laughs> As someone who knows fuck all about astrology, the sentence, I'm a Pisces, so I don't get things just makes just, just no context to that sentence. Um, Chris, what are you, a Virgo? I'm a Virgo, yeah. Virgo is opposite of Pisces. So you understand like the basics of like, it's an earth sign. You're kind of down to earth. You understand what's going on here. Pisces is like an on space. It's like a mist on space. Doesn't really get anything. It's like confused. None of this makes a whole lot of sense. Like, I don't really see what they're trying to do here. And like, um, both of my sisters are Pisces. A lot of the, the theme, the, the energy to me felt like very chaotic. Like it would be kind of silly at one point, but then like really serious and like over dramatic. Yeah. It just, yeah. Like I, I didn't, I didn't follow it. It was choppy. Yeah. I, I think disjointed. The, disjointed is definitely the word I would use for Halloween kills. I don't, I don't hate Halloween kills. I think it's fine. Like I said, I think it's a middle of the pack Halloween movie that could have been one of the better ones if it had just landed on its decision. I feel right. like it, yep. it has a lot of options that it presents us as an audience. And the analogy I gave you, Megan, when we were texting about this was like Halloween Kills to me feels like someone went to a buffet or, or a restaurant and ordered seven wildly different things, took a bite of each one and called it a meal. Yep. I think that's fair. That's fair to like, say. I really that too. Yeah. If you, had, if you had stuck with one, I think it would have been better. Like Dude. I understand the, the novelty of sort of like a something for, for everyone kind of thing. Thing, but yeah. I don't think it works too well in storytelling. I feel like there were definitely avenues to go down that would have been a more solid choice. Yeah, and Halloween Ends does make a more solid choice, but like not spoiling it. But yes, well, I feel like now that we're talking about Halloween Kills, I'm feeling like a lot of my issues with Halloween Kills kind of foreshadow my larger issues in the subsequent entry in the series. That could, yeah, it could very well be. Like Halloween Kills was because it made me think. So the first movie I, I like, but I was on the fence about some things and it made me go on the wrong side of the fence. I'm like, okay, they don't, it just made me be like, I'm, it's, they don't really know what they're doing. Like it, it made, so it was like, eh, I'm on the fence here. And then I went to like the negative rather than, ho I was hoping the second one would put me the would positive. Would nudge you to the positive. Right, so right, right, right. It wasn't like that bad, but like, I just kind of was like, oh, they're, they don't know what they're here. Yeah. Well, I think a big major thing for me with that was in, the, we talked about with Halloween 2018, a big kind of plot and character point is that Laurie Strode is a loner survivalist perpetually afraid that Michael is going to break out. She's got an underground bunker. She doesn't have much of a relationship with her much more grounded daughter. She barely has a relationship with her granddaughter who's like curious about her. The townsfolk generally think like she's kind of a quack. She's like crazy. She's on the fringes of society. It's almost like even though it's all in the same trilogy, it has the same writer, the same director. They go in a different direction in Halloween Kills and then we'll talk about they go a completely different direction in Halloween Ends as well. And then Halloween Kills, it's like oh no retconning it to a sense of like actually the night that happens we're having a spoken word event at a bar <laughs> where tommy doyle and the other survivors are going to talk about their experience and how michael's haunted them for 40 years and then it's like oh turns out the whole town's been haunted by michael myers and that this is just like gonna foment their rage and like the mob mentality but in the previous movie there was like little to absolutely no evidence of that laurie strode essentially should have been their queen it, like she and the 
there's no reason that she was on the fringe of the society if there was like a sizable knot of people who immediately rallied and were already ready to rally. And she ends up kind of being a little bit less extreme than them. Generally, when I'm watching things, what I kind of take away the most is character things. So when something happens that I feel like is completely contrary to a character that's been built, I like really take issue with it. So I think that was my like main gripe in Halloween Kills is that it's almost like they're retconning like the kind of emotional and character groundwork that they laid in the first installment of the series. Which was, could have been interesting. And now in hindsight, I kind of think, and this is obviously just my opinion, that they just are sampling from so many different movies, so many different ideas, but they're not committing to or really exploring any of them. So it's like in Halloween 2018, they're pretty much just like like shorthanding Laurie Strode's arc to be like a Sarah Connor thing. It's like, okay, like people like Sarah, people love Sarah Connor. People love Terminator 2. We're just going to make her Terminator 2 Sarah Connor. We're going to, and then eventually they reach for things from Christine. They reach for things from it. It's not grounded. It's very disjointed. It doesn't make sense. So I I just want to say, it should be noted that as we're going through the plot, my rewatches were only up from the extended Blu-ray cut, which Mm -hmm. is a side note. I bought from a red box for $4. What a bargain. What the hell? That's a great deal. Oh, I'm glad it because I can't imagine watching the extended cut of that. What's the great thing about Redbox is whenever you try to check out, it desperately wants you to spend more. So it'll be like, but if you want to buy another Blu-ray, we'll we'll take two dollars off. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll buy the new Scream for two dollars. Oh. Motherfucker, I'm jealous. I want the new station's <laughs> popcorn out or something. Oh, that'd be cool. Fill my tub up with popcorn. Actually. Speaking of Scream, which I know this is, I like Scream way too much for the average person, but I swear it's related to Halloween Kills. That's another kind of gripe I have with Halloween Kills. I understand from the setup at the end of the Halloween 2018 that Laurie Strode is pretty badly injured, but they sideline Laurie in a way that that makes you think like the act, <laughs> but also it makes you think the actress is unavailable. It's like, oh, we could only get like three days of shooting with Jamie Lee Curtis, which to my understanding is not at all the case because yeah. that's what happened in Scream 3 was Nev Campbell was only available for a short amount of time. But also another problem with the sideline lore, which we're going to get to in more detail, it's the premise of Halloween 2 and I love Halloween 2, but it is mm-hmm. weird to like retcon Halloween 2 and then like soft reboot Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so my thoughts, my, my plot based notes are going off the extended cut, not the theatrical cut. I don't honestly at this point know what the difference is. I just kind of went with the one that had more because that's the more movie yeah (laughs) you could tell you could probably tell us something that we wouldn't remember and we just wouldn't want to embarrass ourselves we'll just nod (laughs) so we start off with some audio from the doctor from the past one and we see that cameron is still in his bonnie costume still wearing his uh his dress from 2018 and he stumbles onto officer hawkins that dr sartan stabbed with that weird collapsible like scalpel thing Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And this is going to become a trope. We're going to talk about this more in the next one. But for some reason, he's still alive. I don't know why being stabbed through the neck with a pretty long blade doesn't kill you. It should. But it happens multiple times in this series. Officer Hawkins is like, he needs to die and I'm going to be the one to get him. And then we flash back to the essentially like missing footage I guess you could call it from the original Halloween where they flash back to 78 and we learn how Michael was apprehended essentially and I think it's surprisingly well realized actually the look of Haddonfield at the time the look of Michael Myers Mm -hmm. we talked off mic how none of the Halloween sequels 
before 2018 could get a good Michael Myers mask, which you would think would be kind of easy. And Halloween 6 is all right. But mm-hmm. they do a better recreation for the flashback in this movie than they do in any of the actual sequels where they gave him the supposedly the same mask, you know? Yeah, that's so funny. It is funny. I didn't know that, but yeah. If, I thought so too, though. I thought, I thought the flashback scene was good. I like that. I was like, oh, I was, oh, this is going to be good, maybe. Yeah. And I got my, my spirits were high at that point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, but in Halloween Kill, and Halloween ends, I feel like the beginnings gave me hope. Yeah, I could see that. Good scenes. Good yep, scenes, good yeah. scenes. The opening scenes for yeah. both of them, I was engaged and I was like, oh, like I I was out of the gate. I was on I was on team Halloween. I was pretty engaged for the first chunk of Halloween kills. We get um Hawkins who shoots at Michael, who just does a disappear, does a supernatural, poof, he's gone. Classic. And then we get a jump scare cop played by Jim Cummings, who is the director of the movies The Beta Test and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. So Jim Cummings officer pete mccabe he weirdly enough knows michael he remembers michael from when he was a kid and he talks about how as a kid he just kept staring out his sister's window all day which sets up this plot point one of the things about this is they is since we know michael and is not motivated by family ties like he is in previous versions this franchise is trying to set up what does motivate michael Mm -hmm. and in this movie it's a lot of he stares out his sister's window and there's a lot of like pontificating about what that means and then i think you know but it's like in halloween 2 they kind of like it doesn't make a ton of sense but they make it so oh Lori is his sister too and but then that's why they retconned halloween 2 i mean other reasons too but it's like they retconned Lori being his sister which involved retconning every movie that wasn't the original Uh because a lot of people and i i understand the point a lot of people say that like if michael is just trying to kill his family then that's not as like scary as like the ultimate evil what's he gonna do you don't know it's like well i'm not related to michael so i think i'm fine you know right i think i just grew up with michael being laurie's brother so i accepted it but then have like having rewatched halloween like several times the last few years pandemic i probably watch it every year anyway it's very incidental that he land, falls upon her anyway like it, it doesn't he's, like, not like, targeting he's not targeting her he's like it's like he kind of he spots the th- he spots the girls and then he starts following them which i like it's no more focused on her than it's any of the other girls so he actually is the person he targets first is annie the problem is is you can only have so many movies of just like no reason why he does things they always want to add story and add reasons like even jason he doesn't really have like a boat uh, like a real reason but it's mostly just like kids are having sex at my house i'm gonna kill them essentially everyone to fuck me yeah (laughs) well that's something that I, I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't respect. I think it probably, Julia and I have been having a root and toot and good time watching all of the Friday the 13th. I think we, we kind of got stalled at like eight or something. But we've watched a lot. We've watched a lot of them. <laughs> and over the last year about, and I really enjoy it. And I'm not saying that they're not high art. They're not great, but it's like super enjoyable. And I feel like it's there, fun. There, there's some dips in quality, but for the most part, it's like, it's really, really enjoyable. And there's something fun about it being like all or almost all these people will, will die. die let's just have fun yeah. with it I, so then you can have the random thing just be continue to be random because they're not trying to make anyone be like the main character exactly so that could be fun it's like they're all pretty fun they're like okay some people and you're, i always wind up rooting for them because it's like come on like the, the, the kills are good yeah they're so, rooting for them but then it's like they're probably gonna die and then if they don't you're like woohoo they live yeah, yeah. i'm happy they live and also because we were talk- complaining about Michael's mask being inconsistent over the series that's something I do really like is how Jason well first of all it's not Jason it's Mrs. Voorhees yeah. which 
That's I, I learned that. I learned that from Scream before yep. I watched the movies. And then in, and then in the second one, it's the, him with the um, sack over his head. And then yeah, the yeah. third one eventually graduates the hockey mask. Which is crazy that the third one. And, that, and, and that's what, and that, but I guess my point being, as always, my point is long-winded. I really like the way that it's like, in the first one, in the 50s, he died as a little boy. Now he's a giant six foot five behemoth of a man with vengeance and blood on his mind. And, and, like, and then they're all, and they don't even try to explain it. And I kind of they're respect just like, that. Just go with it. And I'm like, sure. And like, <laughs> it, the, there's something to be said about just making something ridiculous and just being like, we're not explaining this it's not rocket science we're just trying to make silly movies that i kind of like there is also so a like, subtle yeah. mask thing in part five jason's mask always have upward facing red triangles on his mask and the part yeah. five one has downward facing blue triangles on the mask that's the copycat the copycat which we will touch we'll more touch on. on that one in the next yes episode. we will uh so that is, officer that's foreshadowing chris donovan yeah, yeah. So Officer Pete has a really weird moment where he looks out and he goes like, Haddonfield, the town where nothing exciting ever happens. It's like, there's a lot of like, almost where like they might as well turn to the camera in this movie and say like, this is the theme of the movie scene, you know, like, uh, but then we cut to uh, kids bullying Lonnie with a weird chant. And uh, what's, what's up? The what's the chant uh, again? If you Lonnie, remember, Lonnie, if you don't. Weak and scrawny had a bad, fuck. I got, I got <laughs> so close. Yeah, the spot. Anyway. Some shitty shit. I honestly feel like a lot of new movies just do the bull really badly. They do. Like in the old days, they did it and it was kind of brutal, but it was like, it made more sense. Now it's like, you guys don't really get the bullying a, thing, do you? Not, not, I was going to say not to brag, but I was, yeah. bullied, I was bullied a lot in middle school and high school. So it's like, I have like my ears to the ground on bullying. I know what authentic bullying looks like. This is not authentic bullying. This is just phoned in nonsense. Because there's a fine line between, there's, there's, there's not, there's not a big gap between like some movies will be like comically ineffectual bullies like 1950s like get out of here kid to like attempting yeah. to like attempted murder bullies you know yeah exactly and, we're and, just like, and often the lines are really blurred because it will be like one of those like non-threatening bullies and all of a sudden they pull a knife yeah. and you're like what like, bullies bullies are hard yeah, to write but like i don't know what i do like about these flashbacks as well is they give some actual halloweeniness to the original film because the original 1978 film was filmed like in california mm-hmm. i think in the summer they had like one set of kids for, for trick-or-treaters that they just had like film like four different houses they had trash mm-hmm. bags full of painted leaves that they would throw on the ground and pick up after every take so they could have you know halloween fall ambiance Looking yeah so they could have like it, it looks like halloween in middle america where in this one you don't have yes. to go to all those lengths you can just you know film it in middle america <laughs> or like cgi yeah. you know full lead or something but i do like it gives it some nice ambiance yeah and then Agreed. lonnie trips and then sees michael but michael like doesn't care about him he just but in that moment when lies on the ground he apologizes for bullying tommy doyle i was gonna say i didn't rec- i didn't understand why he did that i think in 1978 lonnie after bullying tommy doyle runs into michael so it's the second time you see him in a row so i can see the connection now okay i forgive you kills that's a good moment <laughs> uh, so the cops go into the myers house and see the remnants of the last movie like the dead dog and the uh broken window and oh. officer pete does his uh carpenter kills carpenter pets. does kill pets it's very sad so while officer pete does his pontificating again out the window being like how oh, hanfield where nothing ever happens again michael gets him because you know 
dramatic irony, I guess. We don't see the obvious out a window next time, you idiot. <laughs> yep. And Hawkins, the it's it's so weird. Hawkins accidentally shoots Pete in the throat while trying to shoot Michael, and then yeah. Michael just like walks off. He's just like, all right, screw this. You killed him for me. I'm out of here. And then we see fake Doctor Loomis, which I forget how they did it, but it was like scarily well done. That was the best one I've ever seen. Like, you know, when they like CGI yeah. regenerate somebody for something that was so good. I just knew the actor was yeah. dead. Otherwise I just assumed that I, I don't like, they did. Yeah, a very if good I job. didn't know that they did some kind of wacky stuff, I would have assumed they would have been like splicing some like archival footage together for that. Where he's like, did Michael kill again? You know, no matter how you slice it though, seeing Michael apprehended by the police is still kind of weird. Like I know it happened in yes. five. I know it. Ha- uh, it's, it's not un it's not unheard of, but I felt like I would have cut the flashback be- right before the cops all got him just so that we know the cops got him, but we don't actually see it just because I don't know. There is something innately weird about that. No, I agree with you, especially because, I mean, the series itself is a little inconsistent on it. As we said, there's a lot of tonal uneven unevenness. Sorry, I'm a little drunk. And uh, the the consensus is that he's like the epitome of evil, yeah. the shape, but like evil incarnate. So seeing something as like essentially human as getting apprehended by the authorities is like a little bit kind of disappointing, I guess yeah. you could say. And it doesn't really fit in with the whole Like motif. I almost, like I don't want, want this to be how it happened, but part of me almost just assumed like if you hadn't shown it to me, part of me would have just kind of assumed, I guess, that he just one day showed up back in his cell. You know, like he's like, okay, I did my kill and now i'm back to chill for a bit you know almost like that like it's that doesn't make much sense either but like you know nothing makes sense but a classic kill and chill no but i agree with you it doesn't have to make sense it's like i also agree it's like it's just the way things are cut it's like you don't really want to see michael apprehended you don't really want to see that much of his day-to-day life in the prison slash asylum you just want to see the action stuff and i think that the genre is set up to kind of support that and I think not to be like a Debbie Downer, but it kind of harkens to some of my issues with this trilogy in terms of the things they include. And then it's like, like you just like, oh, like, okay, I don't know. You really didn't need to film that. And if you filmed it, you really could have edited it out, but you just yeah. didn't. And I don't really what it's certain what purpose so then finally we get to the opening credits and we see the uh inaugural see the pumpkin we've been recording for an hour we're just getting to the open credits but there's not just one pumpkin we're zooming in on there's many pumpkins and again john carpenter classic halloween theme but it adds a little chorus to it it's really nice i like it a little choir setting to the background let's pay more attention to the score going forward halloween's one of the one of the yeah. movies where i'm like this is i i knew going into it that the soundtrack's going to be killer so I have more of my attention paid to it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. uh, we show up and we're in a bar for a bar talent show on Halloween while the uh, Laurie Strode final fight, we assume, is ongoing. Uh, it also shows us Tommy and the Survivor crew, which is Tommy, Lonnie, Marion, and Lindsay. They're all... Marion seems like the odd one out because the other three were like little kids who grew up in this town. And Marion was an adult mm-hmm. woman living out far outside of Haddonfield as a nurse. But, you know, you like that they all kind of came together. It's like a little mini support group. They like to get drunk at the same bar yeah, on Halloween, I which I respect. And they're talking to... And they're talking to a nurse and doctor, but they're in swapped costumes. Costumes. The nurse is dressed up as a doctor. The doctor is dressed up as a nurse. It's fun. Fun couple costume. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that, that couple's really fun. Tommy and the Survivor crew are kind of talking about uh, basically the events of the past movie. Like Tommy's like, oh, there was a crash bus. Oh, there was two dead people counted at a gas station. And everyone's like, oh, Tommy, calm down. You're you're overreacting. Tommy, oh, lovable scamp. Yep. Uh, Lonnie apparently gets Tommy to enter the talent show at this bar. And his talent is doing a dramatic monologue about how he was a survivor of a ma- of a massacre 40 years ago. And also, not to be a dick, not a great monologue. <laughs> like I remember listening to, and, and at this point in the movie, I was on board because the opening was pretty good and I wanted to like it. And also I like the actor, Anthony Michael Hall, obviously Breakfast Club, all those things. Mm. Like he's like an 80s staple. And then I'm just like, eh, like, oh, really? This is, uh, he, he kind of oh, yeah. so I, 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 plays Tommy Doyle with like this weird, like, huh. I, I, I'll i take care of this. Like this weird, like half husky voice that doesn't lend mm-hmm. itself to like dramatic monologues, I don't think. That's the other thing. But Halloween Kills, just the mood or the tone is off. And so it vacillates from like too serious sometimes. And that's like some of the areas where it's too serious is where they kind of take themselves too seriously. And the context is this happened to you 40 years ago. You don't even know that Michael's out right now. And you're just doing a really husky voiced mediocrely written yeah i feel like a monologue can very easily sound like if if it sounds too rehearsed it can be a problem tommy ends his speech by saying we will never succumb to fear which is one of those like you know chalk that one up for later boys that's uh you know let's see how let's see how true that is tommy so then we cut to the strodes and they're getting their ride to the hospital in the back of that weird truck and the firefighters are here to save Lori's house and i'm not gonna not sugarcoat it at all this scene's fucking boss like i love the the firefighter scene it's like <laughs> like when he when michael kills yes. them yeah. it's like it shows <laughs> That's what you're to like it like he's michael is like over the top brutal more so than we've seen in previous versions but it also it shows it's cool and unlikely but plausible way for him to have survived in the inferno as long as he did because he hides like in the the gun cabinet thing like it's plausible he could have done it without being supernatural even though over the course of the rest of the film that's you know maybe something to keep an eye on and the kills be brutal i love the yes. idea that the firefighters have that moment where the firefighters just he they see michael walking out with an axe and they're just like well guess it's time to throw down i would run if i was a firefighter man <laughs> walked out of an inferno with one of your guys's axe i'm not fighting them he's clearly built different in the face i would be like bye like i don't generally i mean not 100 percent of the time but generally firefighters are volunteer positions at least in the towns i've lived in not worth it i'm out Going home to my, I'm, I'm uh, actually probably just gonna go past the Haddonfield city limits. Yeah. Keep driving. I'll come back for fucking Thanksgiving. Save me a slice of pumpkin pie. Also, the fact <laughs> that the fire hose at like full blast doesn't stop Michael almost immediately makes him supernatural though, because those things are powerful. Those things are pressurized oh God, yeah. water. <laughs> natural it's pretty much I mean, a power washer uh, and then we cut back to Lori, and much like halloween 2 she's going to be stuck in the hospital for the rest of the movie having the least interesting subplot of yes. the film and we do see another oh legacy character we see sheriff brackett who is now a hospital security guard one thing i do want to give the movie credit for as well as i really like it's a little on the nose but i do like the shot of karen strode washing blood off her hands and the first part that comes clean is her wedding ring and that's like the focus on that i think that's really cool and her her walking into the morgue being like have you seen my husband that was like really well done for like frazzled mental state i feel like for like trauma response judy greer is great judy greer is an mvp in pretty much everything she's in and this is no this is no exception i agree with you there 
I agree. I think, I mean, I don't She's like, the most likable of those bitches. A hundred percent. She's the most likable person. After the <laughs> run in with the morgue worker who was like weirdly screaming at her. And as someone who's been in a few morgues, morgue workers are usually pretty chill. I thought it was, he was kind of funny, funnily like you shouldn't be here. But uh, Allison and Karen have a nice moment where Karen tells Allison that Lori's going to be all right. She's just out of surgery and their dad will always be with them, you know, even though he's dead. Uh, so Michael has made it to the neighbor house where a married couple are playing with a drone and i do like that when the husband talks crap about Lori, the wife is like don't talk shit about that woman she will fuck you up and i was like finally someone in this town respects Lori. we'd love to see it uh so michael beats this the uh, husband to death when he shows up he just like is in the bathroom for some reason and he like reaches through the door to beat up the husband and the score is sick and then the woman tries to like, get a knife and he just like busts out a light tube smashes it and stabs her in the throat which uh is a yeah. thing that you would not survive no dot dot, dot. we'll con- we'll get back to that point in the next episode and insult to injury for the you wouldn't survive that the husband gets like five knives at him like in the back while he's de- already down it's really funny i mean it's not funny but that's just like looking back on it with Michael- the knowledge of halloween ends makes it even funnier yeah. I feel like, uh, Chris, please tell me if you disagree, because I think, but I think the best kills in the trilogy are in the, are in Halloween kills. As far as, like, the brutality and, like, the effects and stuff, possibly, I'm not sure that the, the setups are the best. Like, how David Gordon Green will set up a scare sequence is a little bit not great. I don't know. It's, there's something lacking in them. So, like, this. Oh, that's right. I meant in the, oh, trilogy, in the trilogy. In the trilogy, yes, like, sure. I'm not talking about the originals. Just the trilogy. I feel like the second one has yeah, the best I think kills. So too. Nothing great has better kills than this. In my no, opinion. No, like, nothing. I think they did no. it so much better back then. They did it way better back. I think, and the practical effects hold uh, yeah. up. I feel like, you know, like, but yes, in the trilogy, I think. I, j- just, I'm talking 2018 to 2022. Yeah. Like, I most bombastic, interesting kills in the second. I think the kills themselves are the best, but I I think that the setup to them, like the sequencing of them, is a little haphazard I think at times. Totally valid. And also, like, he's which ripping. is fine, but like he doesn't like he's I ripping through people like, like tissue paper. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't seen many of the sequels, but like I feel like in he's really tearing. Oh it yeah, up this I think this has easily the highest body count of any of the other halloween movies i would say and then we go back to the talent show where there's a ventriloquist act he's pretty solid he's a he's you know guy next yeah he should get that guy should get the axe next him and slappy too i'm voting for the ventriloquist over tommy's sad monologue though if i'm voting in the talent show he's way better so then wind up with dead i'm fine yeah i mean tommy's not winning but i i just have a moral objection to a ventriloquist winning we uh they have a weird moment where after the ventriloquist goes like the the alerts go out which starts with lonnie he gets a call from cameron who i forgot after watching 2018 cameron is lonnie's kid it's remarkable kudos to you for remembering yeah. all these I, I have it all i have it all noted down i totally oh. forgot and then i rewatched 2018 like the the one of two scenes that were valid to this exact point that cameron is lonnie's kid and references mm-hmm. and the dad references a story which also gets paid back later in this movie so there is some continuity there with that stuff which is good boyfriend who cheats on her in the first yeah one. yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah. the father is like oh, i remember lonnie we he used to sell me payo back in the day it's like 
Allison's dressed like Clyde and he's just like Which, Bonnie. And then not to rip apart, not to not to like pile on, but I'm just gonna, obviously going to do it anyway because that's this is kind of curmudgeon I am. But even his cheating on Allison doesn't make sense mm. because they're going to a high school dance together and then she catches him she's making- She's like 30. And she's 30 going to a high school dance with him and then she catches him making out with someone else at the high school dance oh, that yeah. they are in a couple's costume together with with their classmates. It's like, no one's going to cheat on their girlfriend in that scenario. No, it's it's really like, dumb. you're going to do it more He's making out in a public arena and he has, he's like literally in a couple's costume with his 30 year old girl. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, I did realize in the 2018 movie, the only reason why Allison is dressed as Clyde is so that her attire matches pretty closely to what Lori wore in 20, in 1978, the high waisted oh, pants and the know. blue button down sharp oh. callback. I thought. Anyway, the texts and the news reports all start a big hullabaloo where, oh my god, this town is so scared. Michael is back. Oh my god. And uh, the first sighting that the town has of, quote, Michael, end quote, is when the nurse and doctor go into their car and their car's windows are all super foggy. It's like a mirror of the scene with Annie in 1978 where the uh, when she gets strangled. where she gets strangled from the back seat, but she escapes the car beforehand. Yeah. And then the wife gets mad at her husband for not, she's like, Michael's in there. Go get him. But he's like, I ain't going in there because he's a sensible person. Uh, and then Tommy grabs the uh, the baseball bat because he has he has real big local tough guy energy. Like he is like, I'm yeah. so tough. I'm the sheriff of this town unofficially. But you're like, bro, you are not anything to anybody. He seems like he's roiding at the local gym. Yeah. yeah and we yeah. have the first mention from Nurse Marion of Evil Dies Tonight. Woo. Well, boy, do I wish it was the last mention. Because it gets weary but the uh the person in the car drives off and it's clearly not michael because michael's a way better driver than whoever stole this car <laughs> Billy crashes it <laughs> I, I mean from what we've seen in the movies michael's a really good driver that's funny i never thought about it but i think you're right, he's I, don't right. Think he's, I don't think he's ever gotten into a car accident purposefully or not purposefully he's up. He's driving yeah. pretty safe. And Tommy thinks he can 1v1 Michael with a baseball bat, which again, it's just, he has such like loser local tough guy energy. It's really funny to me. Yeah. I like loser local tough guy. Yeah, because he's, yeah. he's like kissing the bat. He's like, just just me and old Huckleberry. Night, night, Michael. Like, bruh. There are some firearms, but the lack of firearms by the local murderous mob is It is, is pretty galling. concerning. Uh, and then we cut to another strange thing about this movie. Big John and Little John. Oh, Big yeah. Big John and Little John. I just don't like how they constantly call each other Big John and Little John. It's, it is kind of grating after a while. It's like, how do you live your life like that? And I do like, though, I do like the choice to make the Myers house owned by actual people who have, like, fixed it up. Because in every mm -hmm. single movie, it's always, like, the rundown old Myers house, and it's the, the spook house of the neighborhood. Whereas to finally be like, yeah. no, we actually bought it, and it's super, like, kitschy and nice. It's been genetic. No, they made it nice yeah. too. I actually really like the uh, the dark green shade on the walls. I think it's really cool. The only problem is that it's like all of the house is that one shade of dark green. It's a little overkill. I'm not a, I'm not an interior designer. I just think it's 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 overcommitting to that choice. I think you're right. I wish that the house was used yeah. better. It's kind of about like it. I said, I don't hate it, but I also think the big John Little John stuff gets old quick. But then we see a group of little kids, and we see that kids are shit in every time because they too they pull a prank where they just to steal the John's candy, they pretend that one of them is like vomited up a razor blade and is like dying on the street. I want them to die. I one think of one of them does. Die. 
But then they like stand in front of the house they've just they've just stolen from, and they're like, "Ha! We stole all your candy. What are you gonna do about it, squares?" Also, just about the money and the commitment to get like realistic fake blood and do that whole scene it's like wouldn't you just be better off buying a pack of candy it's all about yeah. the prank hustle baby i do like too that the uh the way that the john scare the kids away is they make a ghost story with judith myers as opposed to using the actual story of michael myers creativity i appreciate that yeah. i think it's also kind of realistic that people wouldn't know 40 years later the cadence and exactly what happened it's like that would be something that would probably kind of be lost to lore yeah. unless you really Agreed. looked into so we go back to the hospital we get a lot of jumping back and forth in this. Uh, so Karen thinks that Michael is tracking Lori which does track because she had wouldn't have had the chance to talk to Allison to hear how she got there to the house to realize that the doctor had done it all uh, but she is trying to get the for- the police force to go to the hospital Allison Cameron shows up at, at the hospital and is like Allison we're gonna go after hunting Michael and Allison immediately buries the hatchet with her boyfriend uh, so that she can hunt Michael with him and like I do get that there's bigger fish to fry. Your boyfriend making out with someone else at a high school party should not be more important than supernatural serial killer stalking the streets. However, it is just the first point of them chipping away at every bit of Allison's character and her decisions and what her story is to be whatever the plot needs her to be. Totally agree. And then also you could just be like, I'm still pissed at you and we're like, and just make it like a, a platonic yeah, thing. Yeah, but she just like kisses him and takes him back, I guess. I think yeah, it's like, it's very, it's overtly romantic. And Karen thinks that Michael's coming back to the hospital and is like, Allison, you can't leave because Michael's coming here. Uh, but this is not Halloween too. I wish it was. <laughs> Allison, in this moment, I feel like could have told Karen that like, hey, Michael's not coming here and told her the story, but doesn't for some reason. I feel like there's a lot of that in this movie. Same with when they lie to Lori and like yeah. pretend like everything's okay. It's like unrealistic fibbery and poor communication just to forward a stilted, not super sensical yeah. story. Yeah. Because sometimes that happens where it's like, oh, they're doing the poor communication trope to make things happen to like keep the dominoes rolling. And it's like interesting enough that you're kind of willing to go past it. But in this one, I don't think. I don't think he yeah. has to sniff test. And then Allison does decide to leave anyway, but she leaves a greeting card, which was weird. Greeting card? Yeah, she's like, evil can't win. I love you. I love grandma. I love dad. It's just like, signed Allison. It's like, why though? It leaves, and she leaves a bloody knife next to Lori, who's unconscious. I get she's like, when Michael comes for you, you'll have, you'll be, you'll get to defend yourself. But if Lori just woke up in a hospital bed with a bloody knife next to her, I feel like she's going to get a mixed message from that. It could be threatening if you don't know the context. Uh, so Allison goes out and takes yeah. the shotgun, which I don't know. I have no reason to believe she can handle that shotgun either. No, that's the theme that I don't really like, which is inconsistent character development and just very much as the plot demands. Like, oh, look, she's going to be like, like in this movie, she's kind of like a bloodthirsty badass. Yeah. And then Allison has a line where she's like, Michael's haunted this town for 40 years. Now we hunt him down. It's like he was, he haunted here for like two nights, 15 years apart. That's it. 40 years ago. And then he was caught in prison. Again, yup. And again, no one was taking that really seriously except for the documentarians who were just trying to make a documentary. Yeah, trying to make a podcast. Like we're doing. Hey, podcasters. I relate to their death, sort of. It's kind of more to the point of 
the way they make Lori be. And it's like people would Not be- that you would flip out if he came back. Of yes. course you would. It's not realistic. And then yeah. again, like the inconsistency of the way they make it, it's like it completely varies move. At least I would think that it has the Star Wars reboot problem, which is that there's too many cooks in the kitchen and that each one has a different director and that people, that they're all kind of, the writers are all kind of almost maliciously retconning each other left and right. But no, this is all the same director, but it really doesn't make any sense because it's like they went out to make a trilogy. You would think that they would have come at it with like the idea to make three movies and make kind of like a complete narrative arc and like keep it consistent within those. But yeah, they really it's pretty don't. disjointed throughout the entire trilogy. It seems like they, each film seems to be fighting with the last one in a weird way. Yeah. And it's just really unnecessary because of the way that it was set up. I mean, that also not to be bitchy and easy to say, I've never, I've never written a movie or, and certainly never had one made, but you have a plan to do a trilogy. You didn't have an outline. You didn't have an idea of where each one would go. It's all just so all over the place. Uh, but this moment, I feel like is a very crucial turning point for this film, because I feel like had the film committed and being like, we're following Allison and the survivor crew on the hunt for Michael, this movie works. If it's just this set of characters hunting Michael, don't have an angry mm-hmm. mob, don't have anything else. I feel nope. like it works. I think it could have worked that way. Yeah. I actually never yeah. thought of it, but like, never thought of it that way, but I think you're hundred percent right. And they could have done it where it's like the new generation and the old generation like, teaming up together to hunt Michael and then maybe Lori gets out of her hospital bed in the last few, like act and is able to do something like and gets killed by Michael. heroic. I'm fine if with Lori being in the hospital bed for the whole movie. However, with focus off of her, the film should have focused mm-hmm. more on one person but it didn't but it, it didn't, just yeah. kind of focused right. on Lori and then on allison and then on tommy and then on karen and then on, it's just like which was some of the good the, kills there the, but, there yeah. were good kills but I, if like in hindsight what the scene that probably like officially lost me was the playground scene because there were cool kills were there mm-hmm. but Every person in that scene is acting like an absolute fucking idiot. The nurse and doctor couple who, like, I wish they never participated in this because then they just get mowed down. Yeah. And then most of the survivors get mowed down. And then what is it? Is it um, Lindsay yes, that Lindsay. survives? But everyone else dies. I think, like, the setup's kind of cool, which is that one of those kids who was, like, terrorizing Big John and Little John for candy, there's a clear visible evidence that that kid's been killed by Michael. And then it's just, like, the, like, sanity is completely abandoned and not in a cool way where it would be like, oh, like, they're panicking or something like that. It's just they all act like they don't have a brain and it's just to set up the kills. Which I think that's the I clearest think way that to put scene it. is interesting. That's actually the next scene we're about to talk about. Marion, mm-hmm. Lindsay, the nurse, and the doctor pull up to a playground, and there's t- three kids there. They're wearing the three masks from Halloween Three. Know that cool. And Michael attacks in that period, and that section has a nearly identical recreation of Marion's scene from the first Halloween. Michael goes on top of the car, palm smashes the one window. The big difference is Marion has a gun, and she is bad Mm -hmm. with this gun. She's just kind of shooting it off everywhere and then when michael's at the door and she's like this is for dr loomis she's out of bullets it also feels a little weird to me that they undid marion's death in halloween h2o just to bring her back and kill her again in another glorified cameo like i get that 
in this new yeah. timeline she would still be alive but it's just like bro give her something more to do don't just kill her, kill her or, but it's a, it's a her yeah. and the i felt like her and the doctor just like a nurse and the nurse just like a doctor couple they just like die in a like anticlimactic the, uh, the the husband the nurse tries to strangle michael with the stethoscope and it doesn't work because obviously that's uh, michael myers but then the most comical death in the whole movie happens where the nurse is shooting and she's bad with a shot too because she's just doesn't know what no one knows how to handle a gun in this movie. yes she's shooting at the car as she's walking towards it michael kicks the door the door hits the gun spins around to face the woman as she's pulling the trigger and she shoots herself in the throat or in the face and kills her instead that's actually a comedic <laughs> death scene and it's not i don't mean that as a couple no <laughs> <laughs> but all three of them die and i feel like none of them should have or yeah. at least one, maybe one could have died. Because well, like she was likable, we you could have kept us going a little and yeah. like made it. They just feel like kill her triumphant death. They, they kill killed. all of them as idiots. Yeah, like they're either in the car the nurse, the or immediately the outside the yard. Lady, yeah, like didn't seem like an idiot. No, she I wasn't. She was idiot. like so. It was just like like it just didn't make sense. They're just handing off the idiot ball to kill three people at once. My original complaint about Halloween kills was that I felt like they were just trying to make a record amount of kills, which is not even necessary. If they did it well, it wouldn't have been a complaint. It would have been a compliment. But like, this is a good example where it's like, okay, there's a scene where there's an implied child death and then three people die through sheer stupidity. Four people dead in like, I don't know, a very short amount of time. It seems more like box checky to be like, oh, look at all the people who died in this movie. Lindsay, though, has a really smart move where she takes one of the kids' candy bags, empties it, puts like three bricks in them, and starts like wailing at Michael in the face with it. And then when Michael Mm -hmm. you know, shucks it away and grabs her she messes with the mask she so she can escape i also want to give a random shout out to kylie richards who plays Lindsay. she said that she stopped botox for six months prior to filming so that she could actually act and emote in the film <laughs> and good for, good her. for her i liked I, I liked all of the legacy people pretty much i was i came in liking them and wanting to root for them and then i was kind of disappointed with the way the movie handled them yeah i with thought her, i was like good for her she's good spoiler alert she lives and she's in the next movie where she's criminally yes. underutilized but she does escape because um in the next sequence allison and lonnie and uh what's his face cameron all find her and lonnie tells allison a lovely story when she's like did you know my dad and lonnie's like uh yeah uh your dad sold me peyote and then there's really sentimental music as he tells her about the time that the dad got so high he took his pants off and jumped in a lake which is the same story that the dad tells in 2018 so like the only story we get about the dad outside of the context of the two films is that he did put peyote and got really weird about it and it's funny yeah and i felt like i mean i felt like that the dad character is like very under in 2018 i felt like he clashed with the vibe of every other character he was, a, he was a character from a different movie. That's a good way to put it. I felt like they were kind of trying to make it like Karen is so rejecting the way that her mother is that she ends up with this guy who's like, yeah, yeah makes sense. Yeah. Which makes sense, but I kind of wish they didn't kill him so soon, or they did something because he just ends up kind of being another body, and it's like, yeah, again, Judy Greer, I'm giving her full props. She does a like a good job of like, but I mean, not to, I'm not shitting on the Allison actress at all because also it's the script, but it's like I don't really believe at any point that Allison. Yeah, I feel like she's she's gets better in every movie, but she gets written worse in every movie as far as the actor goes, the actress goes. 
I'm not blaming the actor at mm. all. I'm blaming the writing because it's just like again, it's just not there. It's not like oh, look, she had the lines and she just didn't deliver them well. It's like she w- the way she's written. It's like her character development, if you could even call it that, because it wildly varies from movie to movie, is not at all focused on the, like the relational. But when they find the corpses, Michael's back up to his tricky ways because he set all the corpses up on the playground wearing the silver shamrock masks. I do like when Michael's like, I'm going to stage these buys and make it a little treat. And then we cut back to the hospital because this is where the fun begins. It starts with... Lori and Frank having a weird but kind of tender moment uh, where Lori is like talking about this night at a bar they used to have and Frank's like, oh, you know, I always liked you, but you liked Ben Tramer more, which Ben Tramer mentioned. All the Ben Tramer stands are so excited. <laughs> I mean, I wonder why they just didn't put Ben Tramer in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's weird. He's only, he's only mentioned in 1978. He's also so they hilariously him. killed in Halloween too, though. Oh, yeah, but like I guess they retconned that. Tommy gets into the hospital, and Karen convinces him that Michael's coming to the hospital. And he, Tommy, goes up to give a huge monologue to everyone in the hospital about how they're gonna kill Michael. Evil dies tonight. Classic hospital monologue. Classic hospital monologue. Which the sheriff, yeah. if he was so against it, which he was, he really should have stopped him before he got into that monologue he was standing right there he could have been like tommy cut it out bro that would have enough shitty monologues tonight yep exactly so you have not been killing it on the monologue front so how about you just like you take it easy you just go and you smooch your bat and 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 the sheriff is like tommy stop it after the after the monologue and after everyone starts chanting evil dies tonight evil dies tonight and tommy's like we have watched your department fail tonight sheriff it's like first of all no you haven't you haven't seen them do anything bad because you've never been present at any of the scenes of this movie i was gonna say we've seen the fire (laughs) fire department department fail And also, killing a homicidal maniac is not in your job description. So it's like, they may have failed to kill him, but also Yeah, do you think you're going to do any better? It's like, what are you doing? No way. They were trying to put out a fire. They were trying to put out a fire, and then a crazy guy came out. I feel bad for the the fire department. They were just trying to solve the fire problem, and then they had the crazy person problem, and they just didn't pivot quickly enough. They should just... They should have let. They should have turned tail. This is another yeah. moment where the story could have picked a direction. If Michael did come back to the hospital, it'd be a more cohesive story. You might have to lower the amount of townspeople at the hospital. And yes, it would have just been Halloween Two's story, but it's a direction that's cohesive. It, it's like fits more in beginning, middle, and end storytelling. Whereas this kind of like, eh, like it's almost like when you sh- like buckshot when you shoot it, and it just sprays yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's kind of how I feel like this movie is. And then back to Big be- John and Little yeah, John, everyone's right? favorite subplot. Oh yeah. yeah, I miss talking about them. And Michael knocks on the door before entering. What a guy. Manners. Right. One of my favorite moments, because it's so stupid, is Big John, when he, he thinks it's just kids messing with him. Or no, they hear thumping upstairs after like they've gotten messed with by Michael. And now he's in the house. He takes off all of his rings. He takes off his necklace, whatever. And then picks up a cheese knife. As if, like, I'm going to get this intruder. This cheese knife. Yeah, that was fun. Them great. Uh, back to the hospital for the other mental patient showing up, just asking for help. And it's, like, really sad because, like, this guy is just, like, in dire need of assistance. My biggest problem with the angry mob thing, my number one gripe, is this town is supposedly so traumatized by Michael Myers that he has haunted this town for 40 years and everyone is just, like, ready to throw down because Michael is back and we need to stop it. Evil dies tonight. And they can't 
identify which of the two escaped bendel patients Michael is. And the one that they that they land on is like way too short. Yeah, he's, way he's short too and kind of. He's nothing like Michael appearance wise. And then Michael literally just ripped. Through, I mean, I know that people weren't physically there, but he just ripped through the entire like fire yeah. brigade. Yeah. It's like it gets this like fire plug of a man who's like he's like all hunched over and scared and stuff. Like no, but then also like that's another yeah. like time. It's a like, half ass trying to do like the, the dangers of the mob mentality because it's like at that point the dangers of the mob mentality is like the lack of thought the focusing on the wrong person blah blah and then later the dangers of the mob mentality is they don't have enough firearms because they don't properly take the person down so it's like they can't even land where they want to yeah. land on the mob the mob mentality stuff it's like it feels more like this town was ready to be radicalized than a town mm-hmm. that was actually like we'll get more into it later but there's so so much of people being like look what Michael has done to our town he's turned us all evil like you know you guys did this take some responsibility i didn't like any of that sequence but then we go back to big john and little john and big john gets a pretty gnarly kill i mean death where he gets stabbed up the armpit and then his eyes get gouged out it's pretty rad pretty rad yeah it was good death yeah and then little john sees michael with his dead husband and his reaction is not to run and scream but it's like ah michael i see you've come home who would say that weird weird and then he's dead now goodbye i feel like that's another one of my gripes with like this whole series it's just writing people in a way that is so unrealistic and not even yeah. just in a movie way and just like a no human would act like this uh back to the hospital Lori literally calls people sheep because they're running after this other guy and she's like that's not him that's not michael because she's one of the only people who knows that but gets her stitches ripped so she can't you know continue on in this movie one doctor as karen is going up the stairs violently shoves her down and then two doctors try trip over her down the stairs it's like this is a cartoon sequence this is not a real sequence of people they just could have done things so much better they could have just leaned into things that were funny like that's funny it's like in clue when they're carrying like one of the bodies through the door and they drop it in the doorway and then everyone is jamming through it's like body yeah, humor that's fine. like like you it's like fun but it's like they're just so up their own ass and kind of pretentious and like serious that all these things it's like okay this is objectively funny but you're not seeing what's funny in it why yeah there's one line i'm pretty sure it's literally laurie's line where she's like this is michael's masterpiece like again he didn't do this this. michael's like pretty like self-centered yes he's not he's like i'm just killing for fun like he's not trying to like fuck with you people he doesn't care about fomenting too much self he doesn't care about fomenting the mob he doesn't care about he's not even he's nowhere near the hospital he's killing big john and little john he's having fun he's having fun he's having a room to a good time if you want that to be the message which i'm guessing they do because they say stuff like that over and over again then you have to make the sequences go differently we have a fun moment with laurie and hatchet where he's like actually this is not your fault laurie it's my fault because we flash back again to the 78 and he's like you see laurie i didn't let loomis execution style murder michael myers in the street 40 years ago as if that was the wrong thing to do like obviously you don't let the doctor shoot the guy in the back of the head on the street maybe you should have but again to the earlier point we made about the uh, the unrealism of this causing such a stain he killed three people it's like it, you know terrible it's tragedy but it's not a put him down like a dog tragedy it's like yeah. a, oh this put him back behind bars yeah. sort of thing it's just yeah. I, that gets me so bad because like again in the context of Halloween we know that Michael Myers is pure 
or evil. However, yes. in a real world scenario, shooting a serial killer in the back of the head on the street is not the answer. It's like the, it's like the ending of movie seven. You know, you don't mm-hmm. shoot that guy. But I do like that this movie tells Laurie it's actually not all about you. Like I do think that's an interesting idea mm-hmm. that they played with. It's just kind of haphazard. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It is haphazard. And then Lori has another line where she's like, every time people are afraid, the boogeyman wins. And it's just like, why is she so overdramatic? It's it's weirdly on the nose, but also not well articulated. No. Yes. Yeah. And again, he is in his childhood home killing the gay married couple that lives there. He's not anywhere near the hospital. He's not explicitly going after Lori or right. family right now. They, he's got nothing to do with this. This is all you guys. That's another direction that they could have gone in that they constantly hit hint at but never fully commit to this town is kind of evil like these people are doing all this stuff and they're kind of using michael as an excuse if you wanted to go in that direction you could have developed it but they never go in that direction and then we get the climax of the the hospital part which karen gets to the mental patient first who's on the run and she tries to like lock him into like a hallway so that she can try and talk sense into the mob but that doesn't work because the mob is like a cartoon mob as we've said so the mental patient just grabs a fire extinguisher breaks a window and then jumps to his death to escape the mob and then we have another round of look what michael did to us now he's turning us into monsters which was delivered by former sheriff and michael has nothing to do with this and then it flashes back again weirdly just to show a scene where beckett's superior officer tells him how they're going to cover up the fact that he killed pete it's just like what we didn't need that part we don't need the scene where he stops loomis from shooting him in the back of the head we don't need the scene where they talk about the inevitable cover-up for the friendly fire incident it's like why are like these movies are already too yeah. long and then hackett we cut back to laurie and hackett and hackett's like maybe he wasn't looking out of the maybe he was looking in like into like the reflection or something i don't know again the whole looking for an excuse for what michael does is really annoying in this movie because it seems to boil down to what is michael doing he really wants to look out his sister's way and everyone is getting in his way. Everyone's like, no, you can't go to your sister's window. So he kills him and then goes back to his sister's window. It's like, what if his parents just switched their rooms? He no had no murders on his belt. They would have lived happily ever after. Haddonfield would have continued yep. to be a paradise. But here we are. <clears throat> we cut to Lonnie and the kids, Cameron and Allison, make it to Meyer's house because they tracked him through the, the way the kills go. And then Lonnie finally has a moment where he's like, hey, why am I bringing my son and his girlfriend into a murderer's house? Maybe I shouldn't do that, but <laughs> too little too late, buddy. A little too late, yeah. Because then he goes into the house by himself. Like, call Tommy or something. Murdered. Call everyone if you're that convinced. Because he's instantly killed. Every character in this movie is an idiot. You hear a gunshot and he's done. And then Allison and Cameron, who were like, "We're not going in," pinky swear, go in immediately. And then who else is yeah. instantly killed? And Cameron. Then Cameron and Allison almost do a beat for beat reenactment of the police scene from earlier. They go in, check the rooms, check the closet, hear a thumping upstairs, go up upstairs and michael attacks him except lord allison gets to see like the hey look i found all the bodies that michael laid out michael weirdly reenacted a picture of little john and big john that they had on the mantle with their bodies kind of cute kind of romantic it's kind of cute yeah it's like a romantic reenactment but like i don't hate allison i want to preface it with that but like i feel like this sequence and where it goes it kind of is some of my beef with allison in the sense where it's like she doesn't earn a survival in this at all i don't know she's like, got some she, final girl she she gets like four stabs in on michael that's like more than half the town does she does like she gets some stabs in, but, but like the fact they lower that the bar for they bitch. lower the bar for her they 100 do it's like cameron gets like ripped like he he's in like the banister he's like, like all this crazy stuff and then for some reason it's like the bar is totally lowered all of a 
sudden his hands are behind his back when it comes to Allison. She can't even pull the final punches. Oh, she pulls the final punches and then the sequence continues. It's just like, I feel like if they wanted to pass the final girl torch onto her, they should have made her more worthy. If she wasn't Laurie Strode's granddaughter, she would have been obliterated in that scene. Like, So Michael throws her down the stairs and she like hurts her leg. I think it looks like a torn ACL or MCL from my perspective, my diagnosis. I'm not a doctor though. But Cameron gets a brutal death where he gets like impaled on like stair lattices or whatever. And then his neck snaps pretty yes. awesome. Like he gets a real Michael death and she gets a, she's related to laurie strode so she, she has a slap yeah. and a she gets a slap and a tickle so she arrives to the final scene cool moment where like allison is like do it do it but she's actually talking to karen it seems like because karen apparently just like happened to realize that he's going home that's not explained doesn't matter stab with no. the pitchfork and then yeah. takes the mask which is i i like this scene because it makes sense for karen to be like i can't exactly drag allison out of this house and away from michael in time but if i take his mask off and run away michael will come after me away from allison oh that was sharp mm-hmm. Yeah, I buy that. Totally. I buy that. I like that too. I like that. Too. Yeah, like again, the Judy Greer part's pretty much all in for me. Yeah, and then she runs Michael into a trap where we get the worst callback in this movie and maybe any other movie. <laughs> where Sheriff, the former Sheriff Brackett, holds up a gun. And he's like, "Well, Michael, I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare," which is out of context. Good makes zero sense that is not like his catchphrase the only thing that that's a callback for is for us to be like hey he said that in the first one it's so it's isn't sheriff bracket annie's father yes so it's like you also could have said something about your daughter it's like again like um, leaving off the personal just to like do like cheap callbacks yeah, but he's like, don't remember my one memorable line from 78. Uh, but then it's a mob beatdown scene, including one lady who has an iron, which is just funny. Every time I see that picture of the woman with the iron fighting Michael, it makes me laugh. <laughs> like, what is she doing? Again, that's like objectively funny. Why couldn't they have gone funny with it? And then Michael, I love this scene's really cool because the score is kicking in great. Michael sees like people on both sides. And he just has like a, oh shit, here we go again. He just grabs the mask and like puts it on all dramatic. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, this is cool. But then, like, he just gets beat up for two minutes. He gets, like, shot three times. He gets, like, abused with a bat and with, like, a bunch of other stuff. Karen stabs him in, like, the spine. That should have killed him, but he's supernatural. Sort of. Maybe. Maybe not question mark and then we cut back weirdly to a lori monologue where he's like michael is immortal the more he kills the more he transcends into something impossible to defeat just halloween ends thoughts uh and then she says just nonsense and then she says and that is the true curse of michael myers which the true curse of michael myers is the producer's cut of halloween six it's a little bit better than theatrical cut makes a little bit more coherent sense but overall still not too good of a film We gotta put Halloween six on our yeah, radar. We gotta watch the, the oh my god the cult, the cult cult of Thord stuff is just wacky. Buster Rhymes kicks Michael through a window. That's a uh, resurrection. Paul, uh, part okay. six has Paul Rudd as Tommy Doyle. Wow. Uh, and then Michael kills everyone, including former Sheriff Brackett and Tommy. It's a weird sequence. Yep. It's a little too music video-y for me because it's just like disconnected slashes and swipes and stuff. It's no, like, it's not it, good. Okay, any deaths past this point to me are stupid. Yes. It was like, why are we doing deaths past this point? The emotional thing I, is gone now. Like, I do get why after kill 14, they were just like, eh, just kind of speed through them. My beef is like, okay, I don't know, kills 6 through 11 or people we didn't know. It's like, and then kills 14 through 17 are going to be legacy yeah. characters that you're going to 
through like that's just fucking dumb like yeah. tommy like that's again the lack of direction of this movie but tommy doyle is like at least the top four in that movie where he's like it's following him for a significant yeah. chunk of it and then you're just gonna like pretty like rant like almost randomly like without any i don't know emphasis or like interesting kind of like sequence you're just gonna kill him and then you're gonna kill sheriff Brackett, who was in the 1978 yeah. version it's like have a little reverence for it the is source material funny to me though because there's one scene where he knocks tommy down and then suddenly he's holding the bat and he just like crushes tommy's head with it i thought that was funny it was just like oh no he's got a bat now everyone run watch out for the bat the bat was not that <laughs> intimidating when tommy michael could make a cheese yeah. knife intimidating and then we go back to Lori, and she's monologuing again super dramatically which is especially weird because she's not like monologuing into the ether she's talking to hatchet this is dialogue it's like it's overly serious it's so yeah, over and then as we've like kind of hammered home it's like by retconning like eight of the halloweens only a few people died in halloween one her kind of fixation on it and and sarah connor like survivalist mode doesn't make yeah. a ton of sense she has like really strong opinions about like oh this is the curse of michael myers and the more people he kills the stronger he gets like but you only have two points like it's like two points is a line not a pattern again if this was halloween whatever number it would be nine then then you would have a point it would be like, okay yeah you're right it's like he's done this fucking eight other times and he just keeps coming back stronger even though he should be an old man he should be getting yeah. you know he should be an old man who's like be getting weaker and weaker but he seems to be getting stronger and stronger okay you being like the more he really kills the stronger he gets it seems more like more plausible more like you're pulling from what's happening in this instance you're just pulling it out of nowhere so after more monologuing karen goes back to the myers house and she goes to the window and you think it's going to be some kind of big reveal like oh we can see what michael was looking at or whatever no michael's just there he's made it back in record time without being spotted almost like he's supernatural or something and he kills karen oh lame death boo lame death and then i do know that this is only an extended cut thing however in the extended cut Lori calls karen and michael picks up she hears like the breathing on the other end and Lori recognizes that and she's just like i'm coming for you just hollywood ends thoughts and uh then she just grabs the knife and she just walks out of the hospital with the knife and then cuts credits so that's halloween kills i don't hate it i I think the yeah. first half's pretty fun. I think there is a good story laying here somewhere. Agreed. I just think it's just kind of muddled. Stephen King wrote this novel called Tommy Knockers, which is really fucked up on cocaine. I don't know how long it is. It's really long. Maybe, I don't know. It's something like close to a thousand pages and it's like pretty bad. And he's like, I think there's like a really good 300 page book in that thousand book tome. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of about this movie where it's like, you could probably cobble together a good movie out of this but out of curiosity what do we want to do bags of popcorn or stars bags of corn bags of popcorn okay uh chris just so you, uh, there's a show called on cinema at the cinema which is a very satirical movie review show with tim heidecker and greg, yep. greg turkington and they highly recommend highly recommend yeah. and their system of measuring the quality of movies which by the way they pretty much always say five bags of popcorn yep. no matter how bad it is is five is the most you can give five bags of corn five bags of corn so how many bags of corn would each of us give halloween kills and i'm gonna ask chris to start three and a half i guess i think it's fine julia um i'm gonna go two and a half bags of and a little commemorative poster of jason <laughs> <laughs> the in the superior killer this is superior killer. <laughs> a hockey mask keychain 
Okay, yeah, I think I I think two and a half is fair. I was thinking two, but now that I think about percentage wise, I would have given it around a fifty. So a two and a half is fair, and then it it um gets a bag of soda as well. One, One bag, bag of soda, of soda. but the bag. Of- Bag of, the bag of soda, I'll have you know, the carbonation is gone. It's flat soda. Constant squishing around. So that's how I feel about it. I feel like this movie is just kind of all right. It's kind of fine. Like, it's just, it's so, like I said, it's so disjointed. It's so, it goes different directions. I feel like if it had committed to any one direction, it would have been fine. The problem with the mob vigilante stuff is like, sure. And even in Halloween 4, they had a vigilante mob who's like, we're going to hunt Michael down. But it was just like four redneck yokels. It wasn't, in a, it wasn't yep. half of a town. So even then you yep. could just focus, you could have a scene focused on the four yokels and it doesn't distract yeah as much from the dr loomis and jamie lloyd stuff as it does from this movie distract from the strode story chris tell me if this has believable four it is believable. oh yeah four people is 100 well, like all those people you're like really yeah they, and they all had guns good, yeah. i would think that most of the people in town would hide i would try to leave town like i feel like that should be explored a little yeah. more it's like not it's not that it needs to get much airtime, but like there's traffic leaving Haddonfield. Like people are just like, I'm not getting the fuck out until like, you know, November or whatever. Yeah, I agree. If it's four yokels, I buy it more than half a town. I- the mob stuff was just so much like turning to the camera and being like, maybe the real slasher was inside us all along. Yeah, but they didn't fully do it. It's like, no. It's like, to commit yeah you have to commit it's like it's also too heavy-handed and like with our political situation i think they're trying to make some kind of wider statement or something but it just was well done but they don't have the balls to take a political stance which i'm fine with i don't think like i kind of i like the idea of like there's a whole series existing outside of the political spectrum i don't think they need to make a political statement but if you're gonna but again, it's like like so many other things they're trying to do. They're half-assing things, and they're like hinting at things but not exploring them. And it's like, why don't you just explore a few things instead of just doing this scatter shot? Like, oh, I'm just gonna throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And it's like, if if I were, I mean, granted, I'm not. I'm, I'm obviously not a Hollywood screenwriter. I'm, I have a trained screenwriter. I have a degree in screenwriting, okay. but I have not done anything in Hollywood. Had I been in the room, my suggestion would have been take Karen, put her in Allison's spot, and have that be the focus. Have Karen with Lindsay and Tommy hunting Michael into the town. Because that way I feel like it could have done something really interesting with... Yes, I Agreed. That's so much more interesting. With each of the trilogy focusing on a different Strode woman, 2018 be Lori's story, then Karen's story, and then Allison's for Halloween ends. Karen get murdered after you're like following her the whole time, and that's got more. You'd be like, okay. I remember after seeing um, Halloween Kills, kind of thinking, oh, is this a fake out? Is she going to be alive in the third one? Because like she just he just stabs her, and then it ends. It's pretty much like the like the non-extended he like stabs her and i remember thinking like oh maybe it's a fake out maybe she's gonna survive to the third one it almost but it was like not well done but it almost seemed like a cliffhanger yeah then it's like and then if we want to get in halloween ends i can really roll up my we'll do that in a second um as far as like mass hysteria goes i feel like even in other stories that have done it well like i told you megan Mm -hmm. about this uh the monsters are due on maple street the original twilight zone episode it's really good mass hysteria there's a movie from a few years ago called Assassination Nation, which is really good. That still has focus points. It still isn't about the mob in a general sense.
scenes. The mob scenes don't commit as much to like Tommy leading the mob. It's just kind of like the mob as like a force of nature, like a tornado ripping yeah. through, which I guess could have been the intended point because in Halloween 2018, there's sequences where Michael is like a tornado mm-hmm. and he's just killing one by one down in a line. Yeah. But I just think that it's not executed well i give credit for the ideas and i like there's trying to do different things and we're going to talk a lot more about that the next one but just because you Mm -hmm. try ideas is the thing that we're going to talk about again but when i feel like this happens a lot with social commentary in in movies too a lot of people give credit to the movies for attempting it Mm -hmm. they treat it like if you're a teacher a student doing an extra credit assignment it can only help your grade i view it more as taking on an extra assignment Mm -hmm in a class if you do it well it raises your grade but if you do it bad it pulls your grade down yeah i agree agree. this just does a little too much it's not terrible yeah yeah it's like it's not like freaking t-ball you don't just get a trophy for trying like it's like the whole it's like you you have to make a good movie for people to consider it a good movie to be like well it's a good movie because it tried to do something different it's like well failed tropes are tropes for a reason not that you can't explore them or that you can't subvert them and things like that but it's like you have to do it mindfully and i don't feel like this series did it mindfully at all yeah i know some people like the evil dies tonight mob stuff but for me it doesn't it doesn't feel like a story about fear infecting a small town like some people are saying it's more just like a town that was waiting for an excuse to be radicalized yeah and that was the point they wanted to make they could yes it wasn't well made like it wasn't well done like if that was the the theme they picked and they went with it i could have been like okay yeah that works for me yeah it was one of many themes they attempted and it's a little muddy it's a little haphazard a little scattershot but you know when i feel like when it is doing well i think it does pretty well and before the movie came out um i remember watching the trailer and seeing that anthony michael hall would be in it and that it would the survivors from the first one were coming back and i was really i did was really excited by the concept of that i thought this would be a trilogy that i really love as lord of the rings like kind of like a two tap like a thing where it's like oh this is gonna build on what worked on the first one and they're also gonna bring other characters like i like not that i thought it was gonna be as good as lord of the rings i'm a giant because that, that's not one of my favorite movies but i was like in my head i was like oh this is really exciting and then all of the characters characters they brought in were kind of homogenous they don't really have distinct personalities it's like they pretty much just exist to get picked off another beef with my move the movie for me is they're not even getting picked off in the sense that they're being stalked it's like they're badly going after him yeah because at least the picking off like in the first movie where it's like, like Annie is babysitting and he's like hunting her and she's like doing laundry and then she doesn't have pants on and then she's locked outside. It's like all of that is like re- good building dread. She has no idea what's going on and then ultimately she gets off in the car when she's going to bone her boyfriend, which also is like hammering a bunch of yeah. tropes home mm-hmm. in like a way that's kind of fun. And then in this, it's just like, they would have all been fine if they didn't go after Michael. And then like, what's the the lesson that the two women like couldn't operate firearms because that pretty much is what ended both of them. And then the idiot guy who tries to strangle him with the stethoscope. It's like, okay, he's not like the evil dies tonight. And then Michael is like this apex predator. It's like, he's just almost stumbling into this carnage because really untalented, stupid people without critical thought are throwing themselves in his path, jumping into like some sort of giant, like, 
like meat yeah. grinder. I also find that fundamentally uninteresting. Yeah, I feel like as a result, it can also feel a little bit like a filler episode of a trilogy. Yes. Which a lot of times the middle episode is a filler because they don't want to commit to final yeah. choices regarding Michael because they still want to have some mystery the to bridge. play in the last part. But that does kind of leave it kind of meandering at times. But also to your point about yes. the, the legacy characters, Marion, Lonnie, Lindsay, and Tommy, name a characteristic in this movie that they displayed in this movie. You can't. Lonnie smokes peyote. He smoked peyote decades ago. It was not even current. Marion and Tommy are vengefully angry, and Lindsay is just there. And she survives, but then again, I kind of forgot that she survived until we watched how, and then I saw her, and then I'm like, oh, she looks familiar. They do nothing with her. They do nothing with her in, in either movie, frankly. She has a cool scene with Michael in this one, and then they don't do much with her ever again. Mm-mm. It's like, it's a real, I think all three of them. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. And then it's like, Lonnie dies off screen, I'm pretty sure. Yes, he does. Lonnie dies off screen. Marion, like, fires her gun. And then the gun's empty and then she gets killed. And then Tommy, I get, but then at that point, they had killed so many people, like you like you said, Chris. It's like, they're pretty much just like mowing through people without much attention being paid. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of easy to miss yeah. that he gets killed. Not super, because he gets the bat which is kind of cool but it's like michael is killing so many people at that point that it like yeah, barely registers. he gets killed in that music video sequence where they're just like slash slash, slash. and it's like okay it's fine i don't like i said i don't hate halloween kills i just feel like it's just kind of just kind of there yep you're which, very nice about halloween kills yeah, which it's just kind of it's whatever i when it came out twitter was a firestorm it was a civil war <laughs> Horror Twitter was like, I fucking love Halloween Kills. It's everything I ever wanted in a Michael Myers sequel. And other people were like, it sucks. And it was weird because my opinion is like smack dab in the middle. I read the people who loved it, their opinion. And I was like, yeah, those are good points. I agree with that. Then I read the people who hated it. And I was like, those are good points too. That is true also. <laughs> I can see both sides. It's fine. I don't hate it. Middle of the road. Now, the ending, the next one was amazing. And you'd be like, okay, growing pains. Yeah. Or a necessary stepping stone to get to the good conclusion if they took what happened in this movie that i thought didn't work and they used it for pretty much any purpose then i would have been like okay at least it moved things forward but halloween kills might as well have not existed with halloween it really might as well have not existed honestly karen and the father could have gotten divorced and they could have just moved to different parts of the country and allison could have moved in with her grandmother and it would have been the same thing yeah yeah, pretty much. Anyway, hey, professional horror podcast people. It is I, Chris Donovan, from the future, or future relative to, you know, all the rest of the audio that was just recorded. So I forgot to record an outro for this episode, so I'm recording it right now. Thank you for listening to this episode, reviewing Halloween Kills with my good friends Megan and Julia Pendergast. I was hoping to have both this episode and the Halloween Ends episode come out on the same week before Halloween, but it's not looking like that's going to happen. So a Halloween Ends episode will be sometime early November, so keep a lookout for that. Also, speaking of the Halloween season, I was invited to be a guest on one of my favorite podcasts, the Kinky Ladies Book Club podcast, who had a two-part Halloween special that just came out, so I would highly recommend you guys check that episode out as well, and then return in a couple weeks to see how the Halloween ends situation resolve itself on the professional horror podcast so until next time be sure to rate subscribe to the podcast and all the podcast apps you use spotify apple podcasts the works follow me on instagram at professional horror you can send me an email for guest suggestions or movie suggestions at professional at gmail.com and until next time stay scary but keep it professional